Against Disease. I am Natalie Fodiatis, your host for the show, and with me is our guest, Dr. Nick Andreessen, and he's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. He's going to be talking with us today about hearing loss. So, Nick, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me, Natalie. So, my name is Nick Andreessen. I'm a, a resident in the otolaryngology head neck surgery program at Johns Hopkins and excited to be here today talking about hearing loss. We're excited to have you. So Nick, why is this an important topic? Um, I think the main, you know, the, one of the main reasons is just the number of people that it affects. Uh, about half of people over the age of 60 are affected by hearing loss and about 80% of people over the age of 85 are affected by hearing loss. Wow, those are some significant numbers. What are some of these effects that people experience when they when they have hearing loss? Yeah, so the main one is, you know, obviously isolation from from the world around you. But that's actually been linked to, you know, higher rates of anxiety, depression, higher rates of dementia for older individuals, and then just I- individuals with hearing loss in general have higher healthcare costs, more frequent hospitalizations, actually have higher causes of mortality, more likely to be unemployed, and then um, likely to have a lower salary than someone without hearing loss later in life. And it's actually been rated one of the leading causes of disability um, amongst adults worldwide. It actually has been linked to increased falls. Wow, that is very significant. I think we were talking before about if that um, is from the hearing loss itself or if it's from something else. Um, and it's kind of hard to say. The, you know, the ear is also responsible for for balance function, and so you could you could say that hearing loss is probably an indicator that the balance part of the ear is probably not working as well either, um, which would definitely you know cause increased risk of falls, um, or it could also be related to just you know cognitive decline in terms of knowing that hearing loss can increase risk risk of dementia, which could presumably you know increase someone's fall risk. Okay. With that in mind, could you give us a, a brief overview generally about how hearing works? Yeah. Sound is um, essentially pressure waves in the air that you know, our body is able to somehow convert into an electrical signal that goes to our brain. The way that we do that is sound waves go through our ear canal, which is called the outer part of our ear, and then they hit our eardrum, and then from your eardrum... There's three little bones in the middle part of your ear um, that conduct the sound to the inner part of your ear, which is called your cochlea. And in the cochlea, there's these little hair cells that can transmit like the pressure waves that come from the bones of the ear and turn that into an electrical signal that get, then goes to your cochlear nerve, which then goes to your brain. That's pretty cool stuff that's happening to turn sound waves into meaningful sounds for us. So you kind of talked about how there are three different parts of the ear. Mm -hmm. So are there different types of hearing loss that could happen at, you know, one part of the ear versus another? Yeah. So hearing loss largely gets broken down into two different types. 
And one is conductive hearing loss, which is a problem with conducting sound to the inner part of your ear. So it's either the middle or the outer part of your ear um, that are responsible for that. And so say if you have a hole in your eardrum, that would cause a conductive hearing loss. Um, or if there's a problem with the bones in your ear. Or if you have, say, fluid in the middle part of your ear from, you know, say an ear infection or you have a cold and have fluid in your ear, that could cause um, conductive hearing loss. And then the other type of hearing loss is called sensory neural hearing loss. And so that's a type of hearing loss that we think about when we think about, you know, most types of congenital hearing loss or age or noise-related hearing loss. And that's a problem with the inner part of your ear or the, the nerve going to your ear. Okay. Is there a difference in who has what type of hearing loss? For example, people born with a certain type of hearing loss or if they spontaneously develop it at some point later in life due to an illness or to some other factor that causes it? Yeah, and there's a whole wide range of conditions that can cause different types of hearing loss. And without kind of getting into the weeds, there's a bunch of very specific ways to treat each of those conditions. Let's say if you have a hole in your eardrum, you know, you should repair the eardrum to, to improve your hearing. You know, the most common type of hearing loss that affects people lifelong is sensory neural hearing loss, which can be, you know, due to a variety of conditions, but uh, most likely affects both ears and is you know, depending on what causes it, uh, is, is something that individuals are either born with or develop later in life. Okay. I think you mentioned that the most common type of hearing loss affects both ears, but it is possible at times for people to have hearing loss in only one ear? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it just depends on the cause of that hearing loss. And, you know, when we think of, you know, problems with your, say, outer ear or middle ear, I think those are more likely to be unilateral types of hearing loss. So say you have an ear infection in one ear and you can't hear out of that ear, or you have a hole in your eardrum, some sort of problem like that. Whereas sensory neural hearing loss, I mean, it can be, it can be one-sided, but oftentimes will be things that affect the entire body. So it can be you know, genetic hearing loss that you inherit. Uh, it can be a congenital infection, such as um, CMV, which is a virus, very common type of, of hearing loss, or both uh, noise-related and age-related hearing loss um, commonly affect both ears, the inner part of your ear. Okay. When we talk about hearing loss in general, is there a spectrum of severity, or is there, like, kind of a line that you know, on one side it's normal and on the other side it's not normal. How do we determine what hearing loss is? Yes, yeah, that's a good question. And so when diagnosing hearing loss, people will go to see an audiologist and they'll do a formal hearing test and they test hearing at a, a whole range of frequencies and they give a very specific degree of hearing loss at each frequency. There are certain classification schemes for saying what's a mild hearing loss and say what's a severe hearing loss. Uh, and those kind of affect what the, you know, what sorts of rehabilitation that people need. But also everyone's a little bit different. I think there's, there's a lot of people out there with mild hearing loss that don't, don't know that they have any hearing loss. Um, and as it gets to the more severe or profound types of hearing loss is, is something that is impossible to, to not notice. I can definitely understand that. So we talked about this a little bit, but are there any other risk factors for developing hearing loss that we didn't previously discuss? I think we touched on noise exposure, you know, both noise exposure in the workplace, 
Back in the 1800s, blacksmiths were known to have high rates of hearing loss and ringing in their ears, um, whereas in the 20th century, it was more factory work uh, led to a lot of hearing loss, um, which has actually gotten better recently with a lot of the noise restrictions that uh, OSHA has put in place. You know, nowadays, I think the thing that most people worry about is uh, younger people with headphones, you know, listening too loudly and the hearing loss that that, that can cause. Does that, is that a big problem? I mean, people walk around constantly with headphones, earbuds, whatever it is, um, just listening to music all the time. Is, is this going to have a big impact on them? Are we already seeing that? Yeah, I think it'll be probably, you know, 20 or 30 years till we know for sure. Uh, but, you know, I think we know, you know, noise exposure does cause hearing loss. And it's, it's often hearing loss you don't notice until later on. Uh, and so, you know, I think we're probably, it's probably something that we're going to see uh, in the future. Wow. So everybody who's walking around with those earbuds <laughs> isn't going to know for yeah. another 20, 30 years what, what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. If someone across the room can hear the music from your headphones, it's, it's probably, <laughs> probably too loud. Turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that people can do proactively Aside from listening to headphones, uh, listening to music at, at a reasonable volume, um, are there any other things people can do proactively to mitigate some of the risks of hearing loss? Yeah, and I think that's a good segue just to you know touch on a couple other you know risk factors that we didn't talk about. Okay. And so there's certain like prenatal infections that can cause hearing loss, um, and so appropriate prenatal screening is really important for that. CMV is, is a virus that can very commonly cause hearing loss, but there's also, you know, several other causes um, that can normally be caught through uh, prenatal screening, and so that is definitely important. There's certain types of antibiotics or uh, chemotherapies that can cause hearing loss. You know, I think those are not necessarily medications that are prescribed, you know, every day. So I think when they are prescribed, it's, you know, say the antibiotics are more for serious infections it's known to be a risk of a hearing loss, um, as well as certain types of chemotherapy. There are certain chemotherapies where individuals will actually get um, hearing testing every week while they're on the chemotherapy, um, just to monitor for signs of toxicity. And so if there is some sort of hearing loss that's occurring, uh, the you know chemotherapy can either be reduced or the dosing you know modified in some sort of way you know to try and minimize that. Or at the very least, you know, have an awareness of it so you can help, you know, rehabilitate someone uh, later on. Yeah, so it doesn't come as it's this big shock where it seems like, it sounds like these, these drugs are, are necessary because people are experiencing very severe life-threatening illnesses, in which mm -hmm. case losing your hearing might be a reasonable price to pay. But it sounds like there are ways to monitor the situation, perhaps prevent that from happening, or if that if there's no way to prevent it from happening, then at least you're aware and it doesn't come as a big shock to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there are times a medication can be changed, but, you know, in my mind, I think the important thing is that hearing loss is a thing that there's a lot of treatments for. And so just having people plugged in and acutely aware of any hearing loss that they have, I think in itself is an important thing, um, just given all of the, you know, the therapies there are out there for it. Absolutely. I've seen some, some people in public spaces putting headphones over their babies when they're in a, in a concert, an outdoor concert, or bringing headphone or earplugs to, uh, to a concert. Is that something that people should be doing? Is this 
over the top? I mean, what would you say is sort of standard guidance on wearing hearing protection when you go to a concert or, or you're out in a loud space in public? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think ear protection for kids, I think, especially at concerts and stuff, I think is an absolute, you know, must. Uh, and I, I think for adults, I think the, you know, the important thing for people to know is that even these really short bouts of noise exposure can cause hearing loss later on in life. So if you go to a three-hour concert and you have ringing in your ears after, um, there's probably some amount of, you know, damage that was sustained to your ear that might predispose you to hearing loss later in life. Wearing earplugs in that situation is definitely a good idea, and I think, you know, the more people do it, I think the more socially acceptable it will be, and you, you won't be that, you know, weirdo, you know, right. wearing earplugs Becomes in a concert, norm. yeah. <laughs> and you can still, I mean, if you can still enjoy, I'm sure you can still hear mm-hmm. the music. Okay, and so you're saying that you could go to a concert, and would you experience hearing loss right after that, or this is something that would accumulate kind of over time? Yeah, it's something that would accumulate over time. Um, so I, I think in the past, these sorts of acute noise exposure weren't weren't known to necessarily cause hearing loss later on. But now there's some some newer research that these episodes really do add up and are linked to hearing loss later on. Wow. You kind of mentioned earlier that there is age-related and noise-related hearing loss. And I remember some time ago reading something um i think it was in a popular magazine so i didn't actually read read this study but there was some study that showed a small village i think it was somewhere in africa and the the average noise level of the whole village was about that of a refrigerator and the hearing of the elderly people in this tribe was just as good as as the hearing for the younger people the takeaway from that was that our hearing doesn't you know, naturally decline with, with age. Do you know anything about this? Is this accurate? I'd be curious to know more more about that. I, I don't know that particular instance, but I think a lot of it is really hard to tell. You know, it's a lot of these studies are with testing an older person's hearing and then looking at their comorbidities or their exposures in life. But it's always very hard to determine cause and effect, especially with hearing loss amongst the elderly. It, it's really hard to separate what's just age-related hearing loss or, or what even that means um, as opposed to genetic hearing loss or or noise-related hearing loss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's about 30 genes that have been linked to hearing loss later in life, but it's, you know, it's hard to say how those interact with environmental exposures. And there's probably certain, you know, predisposing factors that some people have and certain protective factors that other people have, and maybe the, the people in that village have those that I think we just probably don't understand yet. Yeah, I know that's definitely a, an emerging topic is understanding how our genetics is influenced by our environment and environment can include everything from your mother's womb as you're growing to the world that we move about in it's very interesting say that somebody now has hearing loss one of those 50 percent of people you said 50 percent of people over what age yeah over 60 over 60 yeah yeah. that's a lot of people Uh and our population is aging mm-hmm. uh, we're living longer as well which which is a, an important point i think that you know if you're 50 percent of people over 60 and we're living until 80 or so that's 
20 years of not having a normal hearing. So what kind of treatment options are available for people? So I think the, you know, the most common one that we all, all probably heard about is hearing aids. What it does is it takes sound from the outside world and then amplifies it uh, and presents it to your ear just louder than it, than it is from the outside world. Um, and so that's really good for people that have more, you know, mild or moderate types of hearing loss. Um, and then there's, you know, a couple other types of things um, that you can do just depending upon the specifics of the hearing loss, which, you know, includes cochlear implants. So a cochlear implant is, it's a small electrode that's um, surgically um, inserted into the cochlea and um, actually stimulates the nerve that goes from your cochlea to your brain. Um, and helps individuals here. And so it gets inserted in about a three or four hour surgery. Um, and then afterwards, the implant needs to be, you know, programmed, um, but can help people who have very severe types of hearing loss or, or are completely deaf uh, be able to hear. And is this something that is available to people who are born deaf? Or is this something that is only available to people who were born hearing and then lost their hearing later in life? Um, it's available to both. For children, I believe it's still FDA approved for 12 months or older. You know, if a kid is, is born with, say, a genetic form of deafness, um, they could get cochlear implants um, put in at, at one year of age, which can really be a, you know, a life-changing surgery. Uh, one of my family members is actually born deaf and then got cochlear implants at a year of age, and now she has totally normal speech. She wouldn't even notice that her hearing's any different. And then just, you know, even um, in clinic, you, you know, I see a lot of patients who have had cochlear implants very young um, and had really good outcomes. And it's, it's pretty cool to see because I don't think there's another surgery out there where you can give someone one of their senses back. And it really is life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah, I can totally imagine that. And so... Okay, so it's 12 months. So cochlear implants wouldn't be given to a baby before the age of 12 months, mm-hmm. but after that. Um, and then are there screenings that are done to test whether a baby can hear? Yeah, it's a good question. And so that's actually one of the things we are really good about in this country is um, doing hearing screening for newborns. I believe it's on a state-level basis. Uh, but all newborns get a newborn hearing screening, um, and any newborns who don't pass that hearing screening get set up for follow-up later on to have their hearing tested, um, and then so they can get the appropriate uh, interventions later on, whether that be a hearing aid, cochlear implant, something similar. Okay. For older adults who at one point had their hearing um, and then lost it. Cochlear implants is, is an opportunity, as you said, to get one of their senses back, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so what would that look like for somebody who's older in life getting mm-hmm. a cochlear implant? Yeah, so oftentimes for an older person, it's it's someone with very severe hearing loss or even hearing loss that's so severe that they're effectively deaf. And traditionally it was done for older individuals that have bad hearing in both ears. More recently now, there's um, people are exploring uh, the possibility of doing that for individuals with just one-sided hearing loss in the elder, elderly. Anyways, it's been it's been shown to actually be cost-effective 
so you always imagine, right, like getting a surgery in terms of getting hearing aids, like it, you know, is it is it more trouble than it's worth? But it's actually been shown to be cost effective in terms of just the benefits that someone gets from having a cochlear implant in terms of, you know, lower healthcare costs later on, lower rates of, you know, other medical problems, lower rates of dementia actually, you know, pays off in the, in the long run. That's really great. And it's encouraging to think that for anyone who once was able to hear and then now can't really hear anymore that they could go through this process and, and get their hearing back and have it actually help in other ways. As you mm -hmm. said, it's not that purely quality of life, although that's obviously very important, but it's linked with all these other pretty significant health issues. Mm -hmm. And then there's also certain types of hearing aids that can be inserted with a small surgery for people that have one-sided hearing loss. How exactly does that work? Yeah, have you, have you seen those new headphones that kind of sit in front of your ear and conduct the sound through the bone through the bone right yeah. okay yeah so it's the exact same idea and huh. so there's a type of hearing aid that you can put on the side of your bad ear okay and it actually goes into the bone and then it picks up the sound on that side and then it vibrates the bone and it sends it over to your good ear um so you're able to you know hear things on the side of your bad ear that you wouldn't be able to uh, hear before wow that's really interesting and it works the same way as these headphones. I mean, I just heard about these a few months ago. I, mm -hmm. I tried them. I think my brother-in-law had a pair, and it was just pretty wild that you just stick it on your head, basically, and you could still hear things, even though there's nothing that's actually going into your ear, and no one else can really hear anything. Yeah, and it's the exact same technology, and it goes straight to the inner part of your ear, so it actually bypasses you know, your eardrum and, and in the middle part of your ear. Okay. You know, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. And so you mentioned that hearing aids basically just amplify sound. Do they just make everything louder or do they amplify certain sounds and not other ones? Because I can imagine if you go into a, a noisy place and everything is, is way louder, that would be completely overwhelming and not all that helpful. Mm-hmm. It depends on the type of hearing aid. I think a lot of the older ones just kind of amplified all the sound in the room. But, you know, as you probably guessed, that makes all the background noise super loud, uh, which is often one of the main complaints that people have about their hearing aids. So there, there are some newer types that can filter out background noise a little bit better. There's some that you can actually control on your phone. So if you're in a restaurant, you can click on your phone. You want the hearing aids in restaurant mode, and they will um, filter the sound out differently. Yeah, I actually have some familiarity with this. As I mentioned to you before, I have hearing loss myself, and I wear hearing aids, and they connect to my phone. Sometimes it's great. I can listen to music, you know, through my, my hearing aids and my phone, but sometimes I'm in a meeting, and my phone rings, and it's basically, like, ringing in my head. <laughs> Never thought of that. <laughs> it happens. It totally happens, There's and of no course, I don't think phone. to disconnect before... Mm -hmm. So there's pros and cons of that, but that's definitely just a little entertaining at times. Yeah. I mean, I know from my personal experience with the cost of hearing aids, I want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So this pair that I got, uh, I had a different health insurance, and my health insurance covered 50% of the cost after I met my deductible. And this was, I want to say, four years ago. The set of hearing aids, is, they were like $5,000. Mm -hmm. 
So totally not cheap at all. And even with 50%, that's still a significant amount of money. And I had already met my deductible for the year or whatever, whatever that was. My current health insurance doesn't cover anything for hearing aids. Mm-hmm. So how much do they typically cost? You know, insurances, from my experience, they may cover part of it. They may not cover anything. Mm-hmm. How accessible are treatments for people? And this is sounds like it's impacting huge numbers of people, mm-hmm. and yet treatments don't seem to be very affordable. Yeah. yeah so the, the normal way in this country to, traditionally to get hearing aids is first to go see a physician, oftentimes an otolaryngologist. They will you know, write a prescription for hearing aids or refer you to an audiologist. Uh, and, and a lot of that... You know, is this idea that there are certain treatable conditions of the ear that should you should be screened for, or there's other sorts of more worrisome conditions that can sometimes present as as hearing loss. Um, but then once you get referred to get hearing aids, typically you buy the hearing aids kind of bundled with all the care that comes kind of before and afterwards. So you get fit with the hearing aids, and then you have all these follow-up appointments to make sure that they're, they're working the right way. All of that stuff bundled together can cost anywhere between like fifteen hundred and eight thousand dollars. Wow! For someone, and oftentimes patients don't have a lot of choice, and there, there's not a lot of transparency about what that's going to cost until afterwards. And and so there's a lot of people who buying hearing aids might be like the third biggest purchase they've made in their life after like buying a, a house and a car. Wow! Which is kind of kind of crazy to think about. What does the future look like? Is anything going to change? Yeah, so there were, this has kind of gotten a little bit more attention recently. I mean, there's actually a law passed in 2017 to make hearing aids over-the-counter. And essentially with this idea that now that we're starting to recognize the effects of hearing loss, combined with the fact that only about 15% of people with hearing loss use hearing aids. And the most commonly cited reason is cost. Understandable. Starting this year, they should be available over-the-counter. You can go and buy them in the same way that you might buy um, headphones. Wow. And this will be without needing any sort of prescription or anything? This will be without a prescription. Um, Not to say that you shouldn't still, you know, go in and and be evaluated at the very least, you know, at least one time. But this will make care a lot more accessible for people, hopefully lower the costs. I mean, in my personal experience with hearing aids, the technology has changed dramatically Mm -hmm. over the last 15 plus years, I would say, but especially more recently, I think, what kind of technology will be available to people over the counter? Will it be these these sort of like headphone-like ones that you talked about before with the uh, that work through the bone, or will they be the sort of more basic kinds that just sort of amplify everything and don't necessarily filter out sounds, background noise that you wouldn't want to be amplifying? Yeah, I think the over-the-counter hearing aids are going to be the the type that ampl- amplified the sound, um, but I think will still be the kind that can filter out certain types of sounds, hopefully control on your phone. You know, one thing I think is interesting is a lot of these features that we're talking about, like controlling it on your phone, listening to music through your hearing aids, are things that are still thought of as like advanced features when you go and buy hearing aids that cost more money. Um, yet you can go buy a $50 pair of headphones that, that do all of those things. Right. And so, you know, my, my hope is that once, you know, this spurs more competition and that people will be able to get hearing aids for a lot less that are still able to do, you know, a lot of those functions. 
And hopefully increasing the accessibility of hearing aids will do something to help the stigma that still seems to exist with people who can't hear as well as others and need some sort of device to help them. Mm-hmm. I know we've all probably met those stubborn older people in our lives who just refuse to get any sort of treatment or help for their hearing loss, even though it's totally obvious that they mm-hmm. can't hear yeah. anymore. What do you think about that? You know, hearing loss is so common that it's kind of regarded as just a normal part of the, the aging process. I think now that we know a lot of these really severe effects that hearing loss can have, you know, increasing risk of dementia, depression, you know, even mortality, I think all of those are very good reasons why, you know, say we have someone like that in our life, we should encourage them <laughs> to, to, to go get the help that they need. So it really can be a serious, you know, medical problem. And there's a lot of things that we can, you know, do about it to, to help them. Absolutely. Definitely an issue that affects a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like there's some good things on the horizon mm-hmm. in terms of increasing the accessibility of hearing aids. What would be some of the main takeaways that you would want to leave with our listeners today? One of the main takeaways would be... Even though hearing loss is common and seems like a you know fairly benign condition, I would just like listeners to take away that it really can have a lot of severe effects on you know on someone's life and you know like kind of all the things we've talked about, um, you know higher rates of dementia, depression. Um, individuals with hearing loss are more likely to be unemployed, have lower salary, more likely to be hospitalized, higher rates of death. I think these are all really important healthcare you know, outcomes. And it's not really just a matter of quality of life, which, you know, is also very important, but just kind of recognizing that. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for being on the show. It was a very interesting conversation, and you left us with lots of positive news to think about and look forward to in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me.